Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Aloha and Peace. I'm Dr. J. I am super excited to be bringing you another special episode here with a special guest. But before I introduce him, I wanted to preface this particular episode by sharing with you how much I absolutely love and am so gung-ho about seeing, pursuing, and actually coming face-to-face with individuals who are open and willing to be vulnerable. There's truly nothing I respect more than to be able to see others just put down their guards, to be able to witness and experience others allowing intimacy to happen. So when we think about the word intimacy, when you consider the word intimacy from here on out, I would like for you to hear the word and see it visually in your mind as in to me see. Because the word intimacy really is, it denotes the concept and the experience of allowing others to really truly see into you. And so in this special episode, I sit face to face, well, virtually sit face to face with Athen. Athen is a sidereal astrologer and he's the founder of Mastering the Zodiac. And in this episode, he is going to share with you and me some of the things that he's learned about astrology and how to interpret. If you're not familiar with astrology, he's going to um, set the foundation for some of the things that he's, he thinks is important for us to understand about our birth charts and how astrology influences our lives, as well as our ability to show up. So without further ado, please help me welcome Athen. Gotcha. How are you today? Oh, not too bad. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for joining me here today. So I want to start off with my favorite question, which is if you could have any superpower in the world, what would that be? Yeah. So I think for me, it'd be time travel. Time travel. Right. right? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Tell me about time traveling. (laughs) Well, I mean, everything else like flying and, you know, that'd be cool. But I think the most you could do would be with time travel. Mm -hmm. If you could go back and change some things in the past Uh, make some things better, Mm -hmm. maybe give some advice for people in the past, bring some future technology back. (laughs) Okay. That seems super powerful, right? Okay, absolutely. So what do you have in mind when you say you could go back and change some things? Well, it wouldn't be for me personally. I mean, I'm actually pretty, yeah, I'm actually, you know, I believe that um, everything happens for a reason and I'm very Mm -hmm. grateful for where I'm at. So I wouldn't, you know, change anything Anything. from my past, but you know, in terms of just humanity, in general, yeah. just kind of mm-hmm. like go back and give some little tidbits of wisdom from the future, I suppose. I have to go to the future first, get some real <laughs> tidbits, and yeah. then go back even further. Okay. Okay. Because I was going to ask you if you wouldn't want to go into the future too. Yeah, I just do it just for the experience. That'd be nuts. Awesome. <laughs> All right. So we know you're an astrologer. Tell us a little bit more about astrology and why you chose to be become an astrologer. Yeah, so uh, I was always a very rational person. Um, for those that are in, into MBTI, I'm, I'm an INTJ, so very rational type of person, not the okay. typical type. Okay, can you of... tell us what the acronyms stand for, for those that don't know? Sure, yeah, so it's introverted, intuitive, thinker, judger mm-hmm. is what they mm-hmm. call it. Uh, but it's basically just saying, what are your preferences of your thinking functions, like how you perceive the world? So that would be an introvert dominant uh, in that sense. And then an intuitive, well, it's intuitive dominant when you break it down, but uh, an introvert intuitive thinker versus feeler, someone who prefers thinking and rationalizing and verifying things. And then the judging is like a more of a focal point, like trying to get to a specific end goal usually. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, the INTJ is like the general archetype of like the inventor, the scientist, like the, the person who's always verifying things and trying to come up with new intuitive ideas, you know, mm-hmm. about the future or something. So, so yeah, so in that context, I was, you know, very, um, you know, very rational, like, like practical person, like everything had to be verified. So things like astrology, I was just totally like, I would debate people on, you know, that stuff back in the day. But um, the more I started meditating, so I got into Eckhart Tolle. Mm-hmm. And um, the more I meditated, the more my perception just began to open to, you know, that there's so much more than what could be sensed with the yeah. five senses, you know, this objective reality that the my person, personality type is so, you know, keen on. So that opened my perception. And then, you know, I started to dive into some different mediums, mediums like astrology, a little bit into tarot. Mm-hmm. Um, some different things like that, but astrology was the one that fit the most for me mm-hmm. because, again, it's like it's very practical. Like you can actually verify it in terms of what's taking place in the sky. Whereas other things like numerology or tarot, it's more, you know, it, it there's no like reference point of something you have to verify in the objective mm-hmm. world from it. And okay. I'm not saying that discredits it, but I'm just saying that really appealed to me. Yeah. So, um, so you know, with this greater perception and wanting to explore more about like what's going on beyond the objective reality. Um, I think astrology just really did that for me Mm -hmm. and was still grounded and practical. So I think it just really stuck. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you said you you started with Mm -hmm. Eckhart Tolle. What got you into Eckhart Tolle and meditating? That was like just going into personal development, Mm -hmm. trying to, you know, better my life. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to find, you know, happiness essentially on that quest. Okay. So I would, um, you know, do a lot of, I started with diet, health stuff, routines, habits, you know, things like that. And obviously meditation came up mm-hmm. at some point. Alrighty. So tell us a little bit more about astrology, because for me, going into astrology was a little difficult. I had a lot of resistance because I didn't like the idea that my destination or my destiny was already set in stone. So a lot of people, I, I must assume, probably think along those same lines that aren't familiar with astrology, where they think, well, you know, we look up into the, the sky and the stars tell us what my personality is or where I'm going or my destiny is. And mm-hmm. for those of us that might have some type of resistance along those lines, what can you say to that? Um, so astrology, I don't even think predicts the future. I don't think the future is predetermined at all. So mm-hmm. in terms of future events, I don't think astrology is predicting that. Obviously, there's tons of astrologers that would disagree with that. But I think what astrology is showing is basically just where we're at in certain cycles of our life. So on a personal level, your birth chart, which is where everything was in the sky when you were born, is kind of representing the karmic journey, you could say, of spiritual growth and development in this life. Mm -hmm. It's not meant to predict what you're going to do within these cycles or within these themes or these spiritual growth lessons. Um, but what's available to you? What are, what are the, the spiritual lessons and themes that you can learn from? And on a personality level, it's showing what you could say is what you're here to actualize. So who you've become more than likely because of these experiences of development, uh, but not to predict who you have become specifically or who you will become specifically, mm-hmm. more of what's the general energies that you've been, that life's been helping you work with, that you've been developing in mm-hmm. yourself, right? Okay. And then the most valuable thing being not so much to describe 
who you are, but more of what is life helping you develop and how can you align to that to further along this karmic cycle that is your life. In a okay. Sense. Okay. And when you say karmic journey and karmic cycle, can you describe a little bit more about what that means for you, the karmic journey? Yeah. So karmic meaning um, the experiences we're having here in the physical plane to further our spiritual development. Cause I do believe that, you know, we are more than this in the sense that at the you know most fundamental level, we are consciousness, um, mm -hmm. but we're consciousness having this very physical experience. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I mean. The, the astrology is describing this physical experience that we're growing, our souls growing through at the moment. Okay. In this plan. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. So what do you think is, um, something important for us to know about astrology that that mainstream astrologers don't really talk about that we don't really know that's my work right so yeah so the type of astrology i'm doing is uh very different from the mainstream yeah um so you know in mainstream astrology essentially they're using it even 30 degrees for each of the zodiac signs mm -hmm. but if you do look up at the sky you will see all the constellations are different sizes Mm -hmm. So like Leo, for example, is a very large constellation. Cancer is a very small one. So when you're do using the mainstream system, it's not actually where everything was at the time of your birth. So with True Sidereal, the, the type I'm doing in my work here, it's using that. And that tends to reflect more of the essential self. Now, I'm not saying modern astrology doesn't have validity. I still think it's showing a certain aspect of our experiences but not the most fundamental because in astrology, you know, we cast charts of charts and you could call them like derivative charts and they're still valid. Like the tropical Western chart, the mainstream chart still valid, but the most fundamental is where everything actually was before you start changing it. Right. Mm -hmm. Modifying it. Mm -hmm. So that's what I think, you know, true sidereal is showing. And uh, for those that haven't checked out your true sidereal sign, definitely check that out. Mm -hmm. So I have a free birth chart calculator at masteringthezodiac.com. And there's also some dates there where you can see your sun sign dates and just see if it resonates. You know, the sun is, is your, the lens through which you view life. And if you see what sign that is, ask yourself, do you view life through that lens? And do you gain energy from doing these things that the sun sign represents? And I'm quite convinced you'll find that to be very accurate. Okay. So when you say that, um, Compared to the mainstream tropical astrology, sidereal, the one that you practice is different in that there are different fundamental things that are that probably will be different in terms of the time of your birth. It changes or it could technically could change because for me, it, it was the same. It didn't change um, for for someone else. It could change in that you're saying the constellation sizes are different. So when you were born, you probably you might not have been born in the sign that uh, Western tropical astrology says you were born because for them, they divide everything, the constellations into 30 degrees. Exactly. Okay. Yep. So, oh. you know, most people know their sun sign, mm -hmm. but for those that are even further into astrology, they may know their moon sign or the ascendant sign and all these signs can change. Mm -hmm. That's what's changing between these systems. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to take a few moments to describe what the difference is when you said there's a sun sign, we have a moon sign, uh, the rising I think Ascendant was mm -hmm. pretty important. Mm -hmm. Can you go over some of the more important parts of the, uh, the astrology chart? Sure, yeah. So the sun, quite important, but the sun does represent a lot of our outer focus and outer personality, which is mm -hmm. why it's so much used in the West. 
But the moon sign is equally as important, and this is used mostly in the East, like with the Hindu Vedic astrologers, they consider that to be the most important. So it's really a difference of perspective, but really both of these are, I would say, equally as important. Um, it's also very interesting that the sun and moon just happen to be the same size in terms of their visibility in the sky, right? Mm -hmm. So we see them as the same size. So it's like equal importance. So the outer personality with the sun, obviously important, but the moon, the inner personality and the spiritual journey, right? More of the yin energy. So if the sun is yang, the moon would be the yin, the more mm -hmm. internal personality and self. Mm -hmm. From there, you have the rising sign, which is what life's helping you develop. So that's what's increasing the constellation that was rising on the eastern horizon when someone was born. And so that's symbolizing who you're destined to become more of. It's the ancients would look to that when someone was born to kind of determine what their role in society would be mm -hmm. and what they're destined to become in, in that society. So it's not so much what you're born with, with the rising sign, but more of what's increasing in the sense that life's helping you develop it. Mm -hmm. And you will likely become more of that type of person as okay. time goes on. Okay. So that's, that's read quite differently from the mainstream Western mm -hmm. perspective as well. Okay. Those three would be the most important. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So let's, do you mind if we make it a little bit more concrete? Sure. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I like to do. <laughs> so Athen, can we, can we talk about your astrology chart and what your sun, moon, and rising is and tell us a little mm -hmm. bit more about given what your signs are, how that actually shapes out in your life or has been shaping out in your life? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so my sun sign's Capricorn. So mm -hmm. we're talking all true sidereal here. Yep. Uh, so I view life through the lens of really putting in time and hard work and patience and pers perseverance and, and persistence into what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So that is reflected in my personality. Like you can see probably by the way I express myself, it's, it's a little reserved. It's a little bit like, you know, I, and for those that know me a little bit more, I work very hard. When I focus on something, I put in a lot of, you know, focus on it. Um, so that's, you know, that's what life's been helping me work on is, is finding the healthy, constructive ways of doing this. Because Capricorn, like just like any other sign, can have its over or under extremes. Mm -hmm. And I believe all of our signs, our natural tendency is to go to one extreme or the other. For Capricorn, it could be uh, cold, detached, too much into the work, um, mm. you know, overly reserved, too much of that earth energy, right? So that's what I've been balancing. And, you know, again, astrology has helped me see what are those healthy qualities of Capricorn? How can this be channeled constructively? You know, and work on that side. Okay. Uh, in terms of my moon, so that's the private side. And that's the side that we feel more insecure about. And for me, for me it's Leo, which mm -hmm. is the constellation of self-expression and playfulness and fun. So when I'm at home and nobody's watching, or at least those, that are, <laughs> maybe just those that are close to me are at home my playful side comes out, you know, mm. you know, just kind of uh, goofy and creative and expressive and things like that. But in a more public sense, again, you can see how my Capricorn will dominate yeah. with the outer personality. So with that, that's helped me, you know, embrace more of my Leo side, more of my creative side and expressive side, uh, channel it through my work. Like I have YouTube videos, which is very safe for me because I know that if I mess up, I can always just stop it and redo the <laughs> recording and it's no big deal, right? So it's yeah. a very safe environment for me to do that. Um, and then the rising sun is Taurus, which is that life's helping me become more resourceful and, you know, really connect to things like nature and beauty and comforts and abundance and mm -hmm. things like that. 
so when I was younger, like I was very against like not money, but just, you know, just it's more about deeper values for me. But as I get older, um, because of the risings increasing, mm-hmm. the more I'm into like, you know, it's having a good meal, having some luxury, some comfort, some good resources, nature, you know, yeah. things like that. So because of that, I'm becoming more resourceful, mm-hmm. more self-reliant, more grounded in that sense as well. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So when you talk about the rising sign, it reminds me of something that I read about uh, North Nodes and South Nodes. Mm-hmm. Do you work with that inside sidereal astrology as well? Mm-hmm. Yep, the nodes. Mm-hmm. So the nodes don't represent so much your personality as much as it's like the rising. So see, the planets are more of your personality and the nodes aren't a visible thing in the sky. And neither is that rising sign. You know, this isn't like a planet or anything. So these like angles or the nodes, uh, these represent more of what, like we were saying before, life's helping us develop. Mm -hmm. So with the nodes, it's specifically the life path and specifically the karmic experience that you're having. So the south node would represent the past or past life karma, if you believe in past lives, Mm -hmm. but where you're coming from, so to speak. And then the North Node is where you're destined to go and what your Dharma is, what the Mm -hmm. Hindus would say is your Dharma, what you're meant to develop and cultivate in healthy ways. And so that's super powerful because we usually oscillate and push and pull between the nodes. And what it's essentially helping us do, our life path, is to calibrate the two polarities and to walk a middle path, to find balance between the two extremes mm-hmm. um so super helpful because this like these are things we're often thinking about often very concerned about often feel like is missing or lacking in our life or we haven't developed enough of it mm-hmm. so knowing your specific life path your nodes uh super helpful for making like choices like do i go in this direction or that direction how do i do this in my work or my relationships or whatever gotcha. and then it can help guide you Okay, so I'm still having a little trouble uh, differentiating the North Node from the rising sign. In terms of interpretation? Yeah. So the rising is like, okay, so, so the nodes are always opposite each other. Right. And so you can't really talk about one without the other. Mm-hmm. So what the nodes are specifically showing is, is, what, is your, what is the past, let's just call it past life karma that you're resolving? Mm-hmm. And what are and then what can you do that's opposite that, which is the north node, that will help you achieve that balance. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the easiest way of thinking about the nodes is you can almost think of it as like you're always anchored in your south node. Like in terms, like you can totally go to your north node extreme. Everybody can. Mm-hmm. But like everything you could think of it as all referencing from the south node because that's where you're coming from. Yeah. So it's like you then you have your whole journey, your whole experiences but then you do have to return to that South node to find balance with it. Mm-hmm. So the North node is just helping you find balance with anything that might be over under extreme. Okay. With the South node particularly. Whereas your rising sign, cause you were describing your rising sign as something that you're growing into. You're becoming more resourceful, right? Mm-hmm. So how does mm-hmm. that, how did, how is that a little different from the North node in that that's something you're trying to find balance mm-hmm. in? So the North node is what you're, what you didn't experience at all in a past life. Like you may have your rising sign and you may have other planets there or something, or it just might be something that's easy for you to develop. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, I don't have any planets in Taurus, so that's something that's more new for me. But the the rising sign doesn't necessarily mean that um, 
you're first of all going to do it or that um, you know, it's an energy that's not already developed in your life. But the North Node is energy that you completely 100% have not developed in the past life, which is 100% new for you. Okay. And, all, and specifically where you can grow and challenge yourself mm-hmm. because it's so new and so different. So again, you're taking it from the South Node perspective. They're opposite. So you have, you're coming from the South Node, totally opposite the area. You're here to develop with the North Node. Yeah. And so you challenge yourself. You make mistakes with the North Node. You challenge yourself with the North Node. You know, that's the idea with that okay. one. Okay. In order to find that balance, the arising signs a little more like under the surface kind of things. Like if you gotcha. look at your life, you'll see gotcha. what life's helping you develop. Excellent. Okay. So the mm-hmm. South Node is more like your your comfort box, your little comfort bubble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the North Node is yeah. how you can push yourself beyond right. that. And then mm-hmm. your rising sign is just the undercurrent that's always been there. That's there to help you develop. Okay. In your personality. Yeah, that's how I describe it. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. So can you give us some examples? So what is your North Node and your South Node? And how does that look concretely speaking? Yeah, so my South Node's so coming from the area of relationships and doing a lot of things one-on-one. Uh-huh. So like in my work, like 90% of my work is, you know, one-on-one clients, um, you know, helping people with their chart, stuff like this. So we could say in a past life, it was very much other oriented for me. Yeah. And a lot of my, you could say like fulfillment came from other people being satisfied and being happy with, um, in this case, Sagittarius stuff. So if you want to add another layer, it's Sagittarius. So it deals with philosophy, spirituality, astrology, all these more abstract things. Now in this life, what I didn't develop in a past life that now I have to develop in this life is more of my independence. Mm-hmm. So instead of gaining satisfaction from others' needs being met, focusing more on what are my needs that need to be met, doing things like physical exercise, learning more about myself, what is it that I want, who am I, you know, more of that self-oriented kind of energy. Mm-hmm. And to get into the Gemini to do that, so to specifically learn about it and even communicate more of who I am and what I want um, and this is something like it just, you never fully develop it. Like speak to me 10 years ago, I would have like not even been able to answer this question about, you know, who I am and what I'm, where I'm headed. Cause uh-huh. it's just such a foreign thing. But with astrology, obviously then it helps you kind of figure it out a little bit in terms of identity. But yeah, that's my path. So at the end of the day though, I don't want to go all into just avoiding relationships and people and just go and do my whole thing my own thing, which is what we tend to want to do with the nodes, uh, but instead to find a middle path. So that's what I've you know, found with my work, which is I get to work one-on-one with people, but at the same time, it's extremely independent. Yeah. You know, I, I set my own schedule and, you know, um, you know, I get to, you know, explore these things to help other people learn more about themselves and their identity and what they want and who they are. Mm-hmm. in that sense so that's one of the ways of kind of balancing that and a lot of professions like even psychologists a lot of psychologists can be seen with this placement anyone's in like service industry or one-on-one energy a lot of business people as well deal with contracts and all this mm-hmm. and then they're there to you know discover more of who they are and what they want and see that that's actually exactly what their relationships need and exactly what benefits others is yeah. expressing yourself and being yourself and communicating your needs Mm -hmm. and all these kinds of things that come along with it. 
So, Ethan, it sounds like you got this pretty much down packed in your professional life, right? You found a way to be able to find the middle path or balance between those two things, professionally mm-hmm. speaking. What about in your personal life? Have you, is there something specific recently or maybe just now currently that you were learning to balance more in terms of those, those two polarities, if you will? Yeah, so we're getting personal. So you're saying like personal relationships? Yeah. Is that, is that yeah. where you find it? harder to find the the middle path for you right now? Because it sounds like professionally, you've already... I mean, I've definitely had more of a challenge with the personal side of it, for sure. Like personal relationships, that was definitely very challenging. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, over the course of like, it's been a few years now, three or four years. Mm -hmm. um, So I ended a relationship before, personal relationship. Um, And then that just set me on a quest of self-discovery and doing my own thing more and being more independent. Yeah. And in my current relationship that I'm in, extremely balanced in this sense. So I get my independent life mm-hmm. and the relationship life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's very healthy and balanced in that sense. Gotcha. So the personal is definitely taken longer, sure, because that, you know, I've been doing the astrology stuff for a while now, eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's more challenging with the personal stuff. But um, yeah, no, the awareness that I've gained from all this, it's really helped guide me in the personal life as well. And it's, yeah, and I'm not saying it's perfect. And I'm not saying that I found the, the middle path, but I have found some equilibrium. Mm-hmm. I found some equilibrium in my work and in my personal yeah. life, yeah. thanks to astrology. That's yeah. excellent. When I think about a lot of the different clients that I work with, it really comes, it boils down to either relationship with others or relationship with self and how to balance the two. And I feel like a lot of my clients struggle with that a lot. So I'm listening to what you're sharing about astrology, how you use astrology personally and with your clients, for your clients, to be able to find, like you said, that equilibrium will never be able to perfectly walk that middle path. But to be able to do that, it sounds like a lot of um, rewarding work, right? And to be able to use astrology to help with that is probably um, has been rewarding for you specifically. Yeah, just really making sense of things. I mean, one of the best things about astrology is that you can think of it as catalyzing things but not really it's like you're going to be going through your life experiences at this like steady pace you know and you're going to get exactly how much you need Mm -hmm. the beauty of astrology is that it confirms things for you so when you start to have these experiences you're like why the heck is this happening to me what Mm -hmm. is this like you know what i mean in those in those times the astrology then goes aha i see now it's this lesson or that lesson or this is what i have to do in this situation so the astrology is really just bringing a little bit more awareness to the yeah. situation. Mm-hmm. And then it helps confirm that first of all, everything's temporary because everything astrology with the transits is changing and moving. Mm-hmm. And then second of all, the astrology can then kind of show you what is your current cycle of growth at the moment, which is insanely helpful, right? It doesn't do it for you. It doesn't even make it easier to yeah. be honest, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. make it easier because you still have to go through all that. Mm-hmm. But um, the awareness and the confirmation and knowing a little bit how to work with it can certainly be super helpful. Knowing that you actually, I believe we already know who we are and we already know what to do in certain situations and even what's going on in our life. Uh, but there's so much mental and emotional noise that can get in the way of that. Mm-hmm. You know, from that, that, that truer self that has that knowing. Mm-hmm. And the astrology just kind of sifts away all that mental and emotional noise so you can really confirm, you know, connect closer to that true self. Maybe it's like the Jungian uh, mm-hmm. Jungians would say yeah. to to reaffirm, yeah, to confirm that inner guidance. Yeah. 
So for someone who is looking to astrology to help them find more life fulfillment, what would be the most important or the first thing that you would guide them to see? Or In their you? charts? Yeah. Probably their notes, the life notes. path. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually like the first reading is probably 50% on the nodes usually. So yeah, those that are new, uh, the birth chart calculator will have the nodes. They're basically the horseshoe-looking things in the chart. The <laughs> horseshoe like this is the north node, and this is the south node. Yeah. So we you just check out the house. <laughs> I know you were doing the things with your gestures. You're like, what's he doing talking about nodes? And he's like, <laughs> people are, are listening. They're like, well, I don't know what this is. <laughs> it's a crab. <laughs> okay, so yeah. the nodes are definitely important for us in terms of life fulfillment. Yeah. Is there anything else that we do you, you feel like would be important for us to know in, in that sense, in that area? I'm just what I said. Yeah, it's just going to help you see where we could be going, where you could be going to extremes and where you can grow, develop with the North Node and what you might need to let go of or make peace with, with the South Node. Is there yeah. anything in astrology that helps us to know what we would be passionate about? The sun. The sun. And also what's in your fifth house and also where Leo is. So these are the components of the sun is associated with Leo in the fifth house. Mm-hmm. So those areas of the chart. Yeah. Would help us understand what we're passionate about, what we're interested in. Yep. Okay. Can you really quickly go around the wheel and tell us what each of the house stands for? Each of the houses stand for? Each one's? Yeah. Okay. So there's 12. So the mm-hmm. first one is what I was saying for myself, independence. The second is resources. That's the mm-hmm. Taurus energy. The third is information, which is mm-hmm. Gemini's energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fourth is what's important on feeling level, so emotional security, which is Cancer mm-hmm. energy. Mm-hmm. Fifth is the self-expression, passion, what gives us joy. That's the Leo energy. Uh, six is the really improvement energy of what can be refined and improved. Virgo's energy. The seventh is about relating, finding balance. That's the Libra energy. Eight is the deeper energy, bringing things to the surface and excavating things. That's uh, Scorpio's mm-hmm. energy. Uh, the ninth is about expanding our horizons. So that could be philo- philosophically or literally travel, astrology, all that's there. Mm-hmm. Sagittarius energy. Mm-hmm. The 10th house is Capricorns, achievements, hard work, accomplishments. Uh, the 11th is our future visions and ideals and collaborative things, Aquarius's house. And the last one's Pisces, which is about finding more peace and fulfillment in life. Gotcha. And it's basically just going, the easiest way of thinking about it is just going through the life cycle. So you're born, you discover the I am, the identity. Mm-hmm. Then you discover your values. Then you start communicating your values. Then you start uh, feeling and connecting on an emotional level. Then you start expressing yourself. So it's basically just, the wow, the no life cycle explained it that way that's amazing okay yeah that's awesome. and then the, the the last one's pisces which is when you let everything go you find peace and it's about spiritual fulfillment mm. you know okay it's like the end. you've you've talked about chiron before mm. can you tell mm-hmm. us about chiron yeah so the um the wounded healer is the mm-hmm. archetype which is where we have what could be called an incurable wound but that wound ends up becoming a great gift for others. So if, for example, you have a wound about doing things publicly, um, you know, you might shy away from it, but more than likely what's going to end up happening is with Chiron is you'll feel this push to do those public things in the face of any wounds. Mm. And then when you do that, it ends up being very healing for yourself. 
And then not only that, but it's the area where as you heal for yourself, you can then help others heal. Yeah. So it's where we can become a healer for others. And sometimes you don't even have to do anything at all to do it. Yeah. Okay. So that's different for everyone then, depending on where that yeah. was in our charts when we were born. House and sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where is Chiron for you? Like what has been your biggest healing moment so far? Uh, it's the 11th house that deals with like future visions and collaboration. So for me, that's where Aries is. So like when it comes to groups, it's like when I was a kid, I was like, no way I'm doing any groups. First of all, I have a wound about it. Second of all, Aries <laughs> is like, if I'm going to run a group, I basically have to do it myself. It's like yeah. the independent energy. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I think it's, um, you know, I think I really think it's through astrology because it's, it's the area of the future vision. And so I think, and with sidereal as well, because like I have these visions for where astrology is going and stuff. So for me, the wound has been to share this stuff. Um, the 11th house is about like collaborating, being a part of a community, contributing to something. Mm-hmm. So that's been, you know, challenging. But then I think where I'm helping others heal is through their visionary side, see their, you know, see the future or their future with astrology or whatever mm-hmm. that ends up being where they can feel healed and transformed. Okay. Yeah. If I were to ask you, aside from astrology, what your biggest wound has been, like what your, your biggest healing moment has been, what would that be? Heal, heal, healing moment? Biggest healing moment? Yeah. I mean, that's a tough one. <laughs> I mean, in, in terms of, um, you know, like, spirit, like medi- mo- moments of meditation, for sure. But in terms of like actual, like you mean like challenging experiences yeah. that I've healed through? Man, I don't even know. I mean, the social one's the big one, right? So in the context of Chiron, like I was super shy as a kid and like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, public speaking, if I had to go up and do a presentation, I would like vomit. I would like have to go outside, <laughs> like sweating. I, I, I would convince teachers that, it's, hey, and I've done it before, like, hey, instead of a, a presentation, can I do a video and make a video for the class to watch? Some teachers <laughs> were on board with it. I was like, awesome. I don't have to do a presentation being resourceful yeah (laughs) yeah so i'll like every moment where i've been forced to either public speak or do a group thing or collaborate on something those are extremely catalyzing Mm -hmm. for me i think it's just you know not no major moment i would say with with this but just a series of events Mm -hmm. that kind of and that's chiron you do it you find everything's all right yeah then you do it again everything's still all right you still have the wound but it's like through the growth process, you see everything's fine and you're safe and it's okay. Mm-hmm. And so you do it more and then okay. you heal more through the process. Yeah. Gotcha. So to that end, Athen, what would you say, how do you see healing and expansion? Like where does it fit in within your, um, your beliefs about why you're here, where we're going after or before, or, you know, beyond time itself? What is, what is healing and expansion for you? Healing and expansion? Yeah. Um, so healing would, to me, would be, um, traumas. So you'd be essentially closing the gap on traumas. So wounds. So anything that's created a gap in your psyche or in your being, you're essentially healing and and closing. Mm -hmm. Um, and then expansion would be that in that context, in the context of healing, then it would be that we need to have new experiences to make this happen. So 
being open to new experiences and expanding, you know, your perception mm -hmm. to what's possible and opening your mind to possibilities then allows you to, to do these kinds of things, I suppose. Yeah. Um, they are kind of a polarity in that sense. So, you know, healing is more yin, expansion is more yang. Uh, healing is closing the gap. Expansion is having new experiences. Mm -hmm. And maybe we have to do both, right, yeah. in that sense. Yeah. yeah. So where are you specifically there? Because I, I, I believe that there's always something we are healing from in order to expand mm. more into. Mm. To expand into the, into the wounds or, to, or into or the healing? part of us, yeah. Yeah. So where am I healing and, and expanding into those wounds at the moment? Not the wounds, but so what, are, what specifically could you be healing from right now, if you don't mind sharing? And what are you... Maybe, we'll see. <laughs> what are you expanding into in terms of like, I believe we heal and then we expand into that capacity of like who we truly are beyond this ego and this life experience. Like in the same process or afterwards? It, it could be afterwards. It can be in the same process, I believe. Hmm. So, so, okay. So let me break it down one by one. So where, where am I healing at the moment? Mm -hmm. And how That'd are you, how is that then expanding you into what's next or perhaps what you're doing now? Right. Well, okay. So there's, I mean, there's a lot of things that I'm healing with. I'm traveling right now, which okay. is scary and weird and having to expand my perception on a lot of different things. Collective mm -hmm. stuff is, is extremely scary in terms of, you know, the, direction that things tend to be looking collectively at the moment. So healing, you know, my wounds about safety and security and, you know, things of this nature on a very fundamental level. Mm -hmm. um, so if I were to break it down, like it's definitely a very root healing kind of time for me where I'm healing a lot of very, very basic survival kinds of sides of myself that just didn't mm -hmm. feel safe before. Yeah. So where do I live? <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, where am I going to go next? You know, these kinds of things in terms of safety and yeah. security mm -hmm. is, is definitely one, one perspective of, of that. And then the expanding into it. I don't know. I'm traveling. So is that what you mean? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm doing it. Is that right. what you mean? Yeah. yeah. So on the one yeah. hand, it's scary to, to let go of the idea of what brings us safety and security. And yeah. now you're expanding into this area of your traveling. You said you're in the Hawaii yeah. of Europe, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So you're in exploring. Portugal, yeah. Yeah, in Portugal. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. Um, deep questions. I feel like I'm in a psychology, <laughs> what do you call it, therapy session. <laughs> I don't mean that that way. It's good. I had a question that I wanted to follow up with, but hold on, give me one second. Let me just... Um, Oh, okay. So let's, I, in, in order to wrap this up for you, I know you got to get going. Um, you were talking about your superpower being time travel, right? You wish you could go back in time, not necessarily yeah. personally, but just for humanity um, to give back pieces. I of would do some personal things in there too. I mean, don't get, don't get me wrong. You know, like there'd be some stock market or some. <laughs> not the lottery or anything. <laughs> some ways of making, you know, some good money or something. Yeah. Yeah, sure. um, so if you could time travel right now, what would you say to the Athen five, ten years ago that would help him immensely? Like, what do you know now? I wouldn't say anything. I wouldn't what? say a word. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't say anything. Tell no, because you're going to change. You're going you're gonna to change with your future, right? Well, I guess that does change. Maybe. But what would have helped you back then to know? 
I honestly think that everything, because I'm, like I said, so where I'm at now, I'm super grateful of it. Yeah. I think I needed to know exactly what I needed to know at that time. Uh-huh. If I knew anything else I, or any less, that would not be good, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> I have so much have tremendous respect for that right now. That's amazing. That's the one thing that's been hardest for me is to have patience. Like I just want to shortcut things. And I was mm. watching a, a documentary on ay- ayahuasca yesterday, and they were mm. saying how ayahuasca is a way for us to reach that, that inner part of ourselves, to have that enlightenment. And one of the questions that was posed was, but that's a shortcut, right? So what are the consequences to taking that shortcut? Instead of doing mm. the things like you and I do, like the meditation and the consistent, the discipline mm. of getting there. So yeah. that's amazing. But ayahuasca is also a experience that is available. It's Absolutely. a plant. It's available. Mm-hmm. It would be, you know, equivalent of eating a certain kind of food or doing a certain kind of activity in it your life that might could heal you. When we're mm-hmm. in that equilibrium, and then there are stories of people that just become so dependent on it. Mm-hmm. Um, there was there was a story about someone in Peru who I guess he was either from Canada or Alaska. I forget, but he would go to Peru um, maybe once every six months, once a year. And he ended up becoming so dependent on it. And I guess there was some kind of a mm. shuffle between him and the shaman that actually was able to give him the opportunity to practice ayahuasca, to drink Mother Aya. And he ended up killing her. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So I know there's probably so much more involved to it and there's more to it. And I don't think there's anything in life that's a silver bullet, if you will. Right. Like mm-hmm. astrology is not a silver bullet, but it's definitely my session with you has helped me to understand and bring some more light into the different things that I had questions about. Right. But to depend yeah. on one thing to be your end all be yeah. all, I think is definitely a slippery slope. Yeah. If you mean going to extremes, I 100% agree with you. I mean, being dependent on anything, doing anything to an extreme other than like just fulfilling your basic needs. Like obviously you got to eat every day or whatever, but mm-hmm. um, anything that's outside, of, the more you get outside of your natural state yeah that is taken to an extreme or done too much like you were saying mm-hmm. yeah that's definitely not good <laughs> but that goes for anything i mean that could go food you know even the basic things can be taken to extremes mm-hmm. in that sense yeah. right yeah or even yeah. exercise that was something i struggled. yeah it's too much yeah not enough too much yeah, yeah it's difficult so definitely a lot of respect for you in terms of you saying i wouldn't say anything to the Athen five or 10 years ago because I needed to experience everything the way that I did. That's, that's yeah. Awesome. So on the other yeah. end of that, right? Mm-hmm. 25, 30, did you want to add to that? No, I was just going to say, you know, I think a very important thing is just really be grateful for what you have in life. Like gratitude is insanely valuable and important. Yeah. And just that's, I think, you know, one major like message I would have just for anyone or everyone in general is like in the morning, just focus on what you have and, and focus on, you know, being grateful for what you do have because it's easy to get so focused on the things we don't have mm-hmm. and then we start to get into the state of lack and missing and yearning and then we want to change, the, you know, we're just not happy. Mm-hmm. But the number one thing that's changed my life personally is just practicing waking up, being grateful, like, you know, prayer or just say it out loud or just acknowledge it. And just kind of maintain that throughout the day. Just pay attention to what you do have and what mm-hmm. to be grateful for because there's yeah. definitely things no matter what. Thank you. And um, that just brings, you know, I don't know. It just, it works and it brings peace. And Thank you for sharing that. Let's move forward 50, 60 years. So instead of traveling backwards, let's travel forwards, 
right? Time traveling. Let's pretend okay. you're, you know, 50, 60 years later. I don't know what that is, but you're walking up the steps to a church or maybe just a bill, wherever it is, and you realize you're at your own funeral and you're watching everyone um, come join you for your funeral. And there's someone that steps up to the podium to say your eulogy. Who is that and what do they say? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'd probably be my sister. I'd probably be my sister. So me and my sister are the closest. Um, and what would she say? No, I was just a good person and you know, gave when I could and was a supportive influence on at least a few people and on her. Mm-hmm. So things like that would be nice. That's all. <laughs> Something sweet. <laughs> Nothing too uh, too crazy. Yeah, just a little bit of something like that. And the, I guess in the relationship sense, you know, that I was just a good person and, you know, helped people and was able to be there. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what really matters at the end of the day. You know, it's a lot like people on their deathbed, that's like the number one thing they talk about is relationships and yeah. our relating relationship with others and what we've done and, mm-hmm. and people we've impacted and things. So, yeah, as long as it's positive like that, was, <laughs> I've left with some positive influence on the world of you. Yeah. Well, one of the things that people say on their deathbed is that they wish they were true to themselves. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that something that resonates mm. for you? That's been a huge I, fear I of mean, mine. Of not, of like getting there and being like, I wasn't true to myself. Like I've sacrificed things for other people. The status quo or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, um, all right, let me say this. Probably. Honestly, like I've like maybe there's a total psychological block on this. It's totally possible because like it's kind of an extreme answer and it, it's going to seem probably very avoidant onto the question. So there could be a block there. But honestly, like I don't think I've ever felt like I wasn't being true to myself. Like, yeah, there's things I do for the status quo. But then at the end of the day, it's because something else is more important to me. Maybe it's wanting to be liked. Maybe it's wanting to make someone else happy. Maybe it was for some other reason there, but there was a need or desire behind that. Mm-hmm. So the, va- the values are always there. The values are never changing. I guess the, the, what could be very concerning is if you get to a point where your values were too other-oriented to where it sacrificed your own needs, but I don't think that even is possible. I just don't even think that's possible because, <laughs> because there's a value there. You did it because you wanted to be liked. You did it because, you know, you want to do the right thing according to your parents or the status well, that's quo. Just, that's in our DNA. And if we could right. to escape that, learn to, like you said, it, there's so much more than what we can sense in our five senses. So if we can see beyond that. I just think it's impossible to, I think it's impossible to not be true to yourself. It's impossible to not be true to yourself. I think it's literally impossible. Like every decision you make, you're doing it because of some sort of value or some self, selfish, I don't mean selfish, but I mean self-oriented reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's really... Even if it's for someone else, you know, that's still, you are doing it because it's making you happy or you feel like Which goes it's going to make you happy. It's a question of like, is there such a thing as selfless love? <laughs> you can't... There can't be right. Love, right? Right. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I think it's just automatic. Yeah. 
All right. Well, thank you for sharing your time today, Athen. Where can our listeners go to find more? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So masteringthezodiac.com is the website. So there's the videos, the chart calculator, uh, then the readings, if you want readings, courses, if you're interested in learning about astrology yeah. and some simple resources. Like if you just want to learn how to read your own chart, there's some good resources, videos, and all that yeah. there to do that. And I think the best place to start is just start with the, um, under the, the about section, it'll be the sun sign dates and just see if your sun sign resonates. Yeah. And then from there, look at the chart and then maybe learn to read it or watch some videos on it. Be a good place to start. Excellent. Thank you, Athen. Thank you.